You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series. Assault Studios production. Arriving in Australia with no English is a daunting prospect. As a five-year-old, Ornella Clavisi's family moved from Chile to a bedsit in St Kilda because her father wanted the opportunities for his daughters that we so often take for granted. Safety, security, more freedoms, and the big one, education. Despite the total overhaul of her life, Ornella was able to settle into schooling and excel at subjects like maths, biology, and chemistry. It was the basis for a successful scientific career culminating in a role with Musculoskeletal Australia. In this episode, Ornella reflects on her education and how it encouraged her to pursue a career that she loves. Ornella, thanks very much for having a chat with us. Well, thank you for having me. I want to go back to 1975 when you were a five-year-old girl. You were in the middle of Chile and your parents come to you and they say, we're relocating to the other side of the world. How'd that make you feel? It was kind of exciting going on a plane for the very first time, all your family at the airport to say goodbye. It was an adventure that was going to take us from one end of the world to another. My dad wanted a new life for his family. My mum, my dad, my three sisters, we all packed up and left, you know, left our home, left our family and came to Australia. And we um, started at a boarding house in St Kilda which was an interesting time. I think I went to Luna Park every day. I think my dad felt sorry for us because we were in this one bedroom bed sit and everything was new. You know, all of the things that uh, are quite common for people to have was just a whole different world to us. Back in Chile in the 1970s, did they teach English at school or did you arrive here with little to no English? None, no English at all. In fact, the only person who knew how to speak English was my dad. And he just learnt it from books, like reading. He didn't actually ever really hear it. He just kind of taught himself how to speak it, which of course is pretty hard because it's not the way it sounds, like reading it and then saying it are completely different. So, yeah, I came to Australia not knowing a word of English. I didn't know anything. My mum didn't, my sisters didn't. It was all new. And how did you teach yourself? Just being thrown into school is a big way of in which you just have to survive and learn. Uh, I remember going to school not being able to say anything to anybody. Well, you do your best. You're about six trying to make friends and just make do with whatever you can. And it, that was hard. It was actually very hard. There was no formal process as such. It was just being in the schoolyard, listening to the other kids and the way they, they spoke, um, taking on board what the teachers were saying and just like a sponge, as you say, as a child, you can pick things up. Yeah, that was it. Uh, my parents went to English school, but we didn't. We just went to school and you just were expected to pick it up and you do. So yeah, that, yeah. that was it. Did you ever feel that that was a disadvantage that you faced or you had to get up to speed quicker than, um, than the other students in order to sort of make up ground, so to speak? No, actually I don't. I didn't, I didn't ever feel like that. First of all, when you're in prep, people tend to just be very accommodating and very friendly and people just want to be friends. So it was actually a good sort of grounding just to be out there and learn because by the end of that year I was really quite fluent in English so I didn't feel like I was behind my grades weren't really any different so I think in that sense it was easier I do remember those little things 
you know, if you had to go home and ask your parents about, you know, what does this phrase mean? I mean, my parents wouldn't have any idea what a fra- what phrases or or things meant, but but they were small in comparison to the rest of the things that we did. And in the end, yeah, it didn't really make much of a difference. Did you enjoy school? Yeah, I did. I really liked school. I liked both primary and high school and I didn't really struggle as such in in either. And I did enjoy it and I had great friends and it was fun. So talking about high school then, I mean, that's where you sort of start to make some decisions about what you want to do with your life because what you do in high school ultimately directs you towards what you're going to do at university and then your career. What were some of the subjects that you really excelled at at high school? I guess the things that I really liked was maths and sciences. So I liked biology, I did chemistry. I just gravitated towards those sorts of subjects. I really liked them because I felt like they were concrete to know. I guess, I mean, my English was okay, but that was never my strength. And, you know, there's always a bit of looseness in the way, you know, you could be good at English and I was never that great. So those subjects were much better for me and they just came easier. I liked them more and I enjoyed them more and I was kind of curious about the world. So I gravitated towards those sorts of subjects. So, I mean, your career has very much followed that trajectory. Uh, You're involved in science world now professionally. Back at yeah. school, though, was there was there never a, a creative outlet that you liked? Was there never something different or was it always just the sciences and you just knew that that's the world you were going to be involved in? Pretty much. I'm not very creative in any other way. I don't play an instrument. I'm not good at art. You know, I'm kind of just a bit of a problem solver and I think that's what I enjoy. I guess parts of those subjects is that problem-solving aspect that I really like in terms of, you know, grappling onto a problem and trying to find a solution. So that's kind of where I go with things. Getting towards the end of your high school study, the next big decision you need to make is where you're going to study and what you're going to study at university. Talk me through that process. Was that a decision made with your parents, with your sisters, with your friends? How did you go about it? I just made it. I wanted to do science at Monash. That's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I put down for my preferred course. I think maybe Monash, Melbourne, I didn't think I'd get in there. The funny thing is that I actually didn't get the marks to go to Monash uh, Uni in the beginning. I just didn't do that well in my VCE. And so I went to Chisholm Institute of Technology and I did applied science there. It actually is the Caulfield campus for Monash now. And it did end up being Monash by the time I finished. I did my first year there I did well in the subjects that I chose, which were things like maths, biology, chemistry, computer science, and I transferred to Monash Uni and did science there. So I kind of went a roundabout way to get to the course that I actually wanted to do. And in doing that, I kind of picked subjects that I liked, like genetics, uh, immunology, biochemistry. So I did that. And then uh, after I finished my undergraduate, I did honours in biochemistry, uh, which is what I thought I wanted to do to progress further, to work in a lab, to do have a research career that is at the bench, which is what I did. I did I did fine. I did well with my honours, uh, and from there, uh, I kind of progressed into the real world of getting a job in that, that field 
which is pretty vast. Once you get, like I did biochemistry, which is broad, it's a broad sort of subject to do because you can do immunology, you can do genetics, you can do um, anything to do with DNA or development of proteins, development of vaccines. It's a good grounding if that's where you, what you wanted to do. So initially I worked at the School of Veterinary Science for a year at Melbourne Uni and then I worked at Prince Henry's Institute of Technology for another year. And then I had a bit of a career crisis because I thought I don't actually want to work in a lab anymore. I don't don't want to do this. And I didn't want to do a PhD. I didn't want to do any further study. It just wasn't for me. And so I had to think about okay, well, what am I going to do? What could I do? And I knew I wanted to stay in the health area. That was definitely an area that interested me. And so I was just looking into things and found that there was this Masters in Public Health, which was at that time a consortium that was run by Melbourne, Monash, Swinburne and La Trobe. And at that time, it was a very new course it was only just starting. Uh, I was one of the first graduates from that course and we had all of the great minds within the public health field to start that course. And so initially I thought I wanted to do clinical trials and uh, in the end I chose to do epidemiology and biostatistics at Melbourne Uni. That's the field I went to. But the thing is, is that it's such a broad area because there's uh, health promotion, how do you get people to have healthy lifestyles, how do you promote health, like even vaccine uptake is about health promotion. Uh, you've got sociology in health, you've got health policy, how are policies made around health, hospital funding, what drugs are funded, what are the politics of the time, how do they affect the things that we can access. It really opened my mind to this whole new world that I didn't even know existed. And it was the best thing I've ever done is to do my Masters of Public Health. It really gave me a broad idea of what, uh, you know, health systems were and how they functioned. And, you know, like it was an amazing sort of turning point for me because I was really lost working at the bench. And so this was something that was really amazing for me. I think it's a really interesting point that you make there. And it's probably something that's going to resonate with a lot of our audience who will, if they haven't already, find themselves in that boat where uh, they go through a certain degree or start a degree and then get to a point where they realise perhaps maybe that's not what they want. And I mean, that's certainly happened for you later in your career, uh, but it's certainly very relevant to our audience and, and a common theme. So what's some advice around that? If you could look back and think, you know, I didn't necessarily end up where I wanted to be initially, what could you say to our audience who have done what a lot of students do, which is they get to high school and they go to university because that's the expectation and they end up studying something mm. that they don't really want to be involved in? I, I just kind of went to uni, like you said. I didn't actually ever think what the hell does that mean in terms of a job at the end of it. I know what I was thinking. And lots of people that did science didn't ever go work in a lab. They went and did lots of other things. So it's worth knowing what sort of avenues you have at, after you finish the course. And sometimes you have to kind of do the course to work out whether you like it or not. So it's hard to have specific advice. All I can say is that it's a great course to do because it teaches you, you have very good analytical skills. Like you're very methodical in the way you work. And you take that with you wherever you go. In anything you do, you know, you can kind of pick things up really quickly because you have to 
think about different concepts. You have to think about different areas or there's lots of things that you have to pick up along the way and you have to know and be methodical in the way you work. So it gives you some really good skills to take into the future. But if I could give any advice, it's not that you're ever stuck in something because there's always other opportunities that you can leverage off what you've already done. There's always something you can, it's just a stepping stone to something else. And I never thought in starting out at uni that I would ever be doing the job that I'm doing now. Never in a million years if somebody asked me, are you going to be the general manager at a not-for-profit organisation, would I have ever, ever thought that that's where it would bring me? But it has. So I think just for people to do the course, and if they don't want to do it, I would say look at other avenues because you know, it's there's never a wasted opportunity, but there's always opportunities out there. Never feel that you're stuck because there's always other things. If I know anything about careers and education, as as you've mentioned, doesn't always go to plan. There's mistakes made along the way. What are some of the things that you didn't get right along your educational journey? I think sometimes at uni you're a bit freer if I'm thinking about study. So, you know, you have to be a bit more conscious about studying and not partying so hard. That would be one. Some of the mistakes that you make is that you get really fixed in what you want. So you don't necessarily look at other areas that, you know, you could potentially look at. And so I guess it's to keep an open mind and to sort of work through a whole lot of different you know, speak to your uh, lecturers and speak to other students maybe a bit older to try and then work out what they've done and where they've gone to to see, um, you know, what your opportunities are. I think the, the other thing if you're choosing courses is to think about some of the vocational um, steps that happen along the way. Some universities are really good at that and others aren't. The science degree was probably less so. You had to sort of find your way unless you're working in a lab, of course, and working in some of the departments. But the Masters of Public Health were great because you could build your networks even there while you were studying. Uh, You know, there was lecturers that had studies going on. I mean, I got a job while I was doing my Masters uh, working on the Australian Quality of Life instrument uh, just because I was chatting and he needed a research assistant to help him. So... Is that when you just throw up your hand, you say, look, I'm, I'm keen to get involved and ask him to be paid. Not what, you know, It's just one of those opportunities that given you're in the space and that you know someone yeah, there. I, so I would say always be open to go up and ask questions and engage because that's the way you build your networks. You know, you don't think about it when you're younger, but it is all about who you know, opportunities that arise, people will get an impression of you and they might recommend you for something else and they might say, oh, I just spoke to Ornella, she's really interested in this and they'll recommend you to go and speak to somebody else and there might be a job at the end of it. So I think don't be too shy. You know, if you've got questions, go and ask and speak to your lecturers because there might be something at the end of it which will be really beneficial. Don't stand back so much, be a little bit more forward in engagement. Are you still in contact with your lecturers and other students of the the time when you were studying? The lecturers I do see from time to time and I've worked, I ended up working with because I've worked in lots of different areas and I have worked in research, just not bench research. It was more medical research or health research. Uh, So I worked with a lot of the biostitians that had lectured me there's not many of them. It's a small sort of network. So they came and worked on some of the projects or within the departments that I worked at. So I guess in the field, you end up 
meeting the same sorts of groups and people as you go. And even when you think, oh, well, I'm finished in this job, you go to another job and then you come into the same circles as you may have been in before. So it's kind of like it evolves and you do end up meeting the people that you've sort of worked with in the past and been studying with. Speaking of those students that you were studying with, while you may not have regular contact with them, I'm sure you would have known back in the day the sorts of careers that they've gone down. Can you just uh, nominate a few of the, the careers that they've gone into? One has gone on to be a naturopath. She actually went and worked as a rep for a pharmaceutical company uh, and then she went and did a naturopath degree. So she's a naturopath. One sort of transferred over after a second year and she did a double degree in law and science. Uh, some of them have stayed and are professors in their um, field and some of them have gone off and now they're managers and directors in other industries, kind of health-related but not really related to any of the work that we kind of did in the undergraduate science degree. I guess that just highlights then the fact that there are many different career paths from the one degree and that's really important for our audience to understand that they're not just locked into one certain thing. Um, there are many options available to them. If you could look back on your education, what would you do differently through the hindsight of where you are now? Oh, I wish that there was a Masters of Public Health course in the outset. I would have done that. And they do offer it now, but they didn't then. I think back then it was a bit more like science degree, law degree, medical degree. It was it was a little bit predetermined, What arts degree. So, you know, there was the stock standard degrees that you had that everybody kind of did fell into when they went to uni and I think now there's just so much choice and so much more sort of vocational application to the courses I guess if I had my time again I couldn't go down there but for current students I would definitely just have a look at things have a look at a career that you've seen that you think you might be interested in see what other people have done what the courses are you've got choice and I also think that getting the ATAR that you need for the course is obviously something that is vital. But if you don't, there's always other ways to get to the course that you want. And I think that's also important for students not to feel discouraged if they haven't done as well as they would have liked, because you can always get there. Knowing what your parents did for you and your sisters, which is relocate to another country for better opportunities. Was education always a massive driver for you to achieve something? Were you always committed to, to doing the absolute best you can because you realised being from a migrant family, this is something your parents have tried to do for you? Uh, yeah, for me, most definitely. I was always on that path of academia and, you know, trying hard at school. It was something that I was good at. Like it wasn't necessarily always drummed into me. Like my dad had been to university in Italy. Um, he couldn't complete his course because he got TB in the end, so he couldn't complete it. It was always just something that I wanted to do and it was never the pressure of it. My middle two sisters, they didn't go to uni, but my elder sister did. I think the pressure was always my own um, rather than my parents just push, push, pushing me. They were supportive, absolutely, and it was just something that 
just kind of, I just had that drive to do the subjects that I wanted to do and to do well in them. How proud are they of you from applying yourself at university all the way through to your career now? Oh, they are. They're really proud. They love to boast too because sometimes I have to do uh, TV interviews and radio interviews so they're always, uh, you know, boasting about those things and they've always been supportive of me. So, you know, I'm very thankful that they were there for me during that time but they are very proud, yes. It was interesting to hear the pressure Ornella felt was because of herself, not her parents, friends or teachers, and that if at first you don't succeed, there's still a path forward. In our second episode, I'll chat with Ornella about her career progression from a university to her role as General Manager of Consumer Services at Musculoskeletal Australia. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.